0: Hey, I'm going to put some words on the screen for you. And some of you will recognize them pretty quickly uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Great words, amazing qualities, phenomenal virtues, more importantly, godly characteristics. I think the question I have for you is if you were to ask the people who uh, are closest to you in your life, especially your children, would these be the words that they would use to describe you? If you were to either, A, give them a blank piece of paper, or maybe even your spouse, right? Here's a blank piece of paper. Write the words that describe me. Would this be the list that they would come up with? Or if you were to give them a list of these words and say, hey, would you, you know, circle some of the words that you feel describe me? And maybe, you know, which ones I could grow in, what would they say? And so that thought right there is going to scare some of us like crazy, right? Uh, I, I, I was thinking about a story, like, how can I personally connect with this in my life? And so I'm, I'm going back as a kid growing up, like, you know, what story could I tell as a kid growing up, or what story could I tell as a parent where I could really relate to this? And then I just had this brilliant idea, like, why don't I just write these words down, give them to my kids, and just say, honestly, would you just circle the words that you see in my life and you think describe me, and would you put a star next to any of the ones you think I still need to grow in, all right? And so here's what that looked like. Uh, They they each took a swipe at it, and um, here's the next slide. It's got those sheets on it. And this is, is, ignore the chicken scratch. I just wrote this down, and here's what I got back. So there was encouragement here, right? They're seeing love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness. Um, And then I got these stars, and this was no shock to me, in the gentleness area, like all three of them, right? It's like, okay. Loud and clear on this one. Um, My wife did it too, and and surprisingly, she also had a star next to that, isn't that a shock? You know, But but one of my kids, they gave me three stars. I'm like, okay, I asked you to do one, but you gave me three, so here we go. And I love their their reasoning. They said, well, here's the deal. When you get impatient, then you get less gentle, and then you lose self-control. I'm like, wow, I think I need to make a counseling appointment with you next week because this this is really insightful, you know? Well, there's really no surprise here, but it gave me a chance to kind of evaluate my parenting through the eyes of my kid, you know, and I gave it to my wife, Rika, and she did it too, and you know, there's a conversation that we can have around that to evaluate ourselves as parents. I think it's good to evaluate ourselves as parents or as future parents. Like right now, as a, as a teenager, a single person, young married, like are you on a course where your future children can, can look at these qualities and say, this is, this is what I see in my mom and dad, or maybe you're a grandparent, or an aunt and uncle, or or uh, you don't have kids, but you're really close to other families who do. Like, do they see these qualities coming from you as you're investing in them? And so we need to evaluate where we're at as we're influencing the next generation. So as we continue in this parenting series, parenting two and six, as you've been hearing, it's 216 months from birth to 18, 216 months. Before our kids turn into adults in which we hope that they'll be able to function and walk in life and be a high degree of independence in our life. And so are we making the most use and the best use of that time? And are we parenting toward the greatest need of our children? And so the greatest need of our children is that they would have a personal, intimate relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. And the greatest hope that we have as parents is that the Holy Spirit of the living God would live inside our children. That's our greatest hope as parents. Our greatest hope is not that they'll be successful or that they'll have a great job and that they'll have a a, a nice home and that they'll have a picture-perfect family. Those are all good things. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not our ultimate hope. Because if if, if we parent to all of the things and we fail in this area of hoping that they're gonna come to know the Lord, then we're really setting them up for a life that's going to be uh, trying to find identity in what they do instead of who they are in Christ. And when we set our kids up for that, what happens is they start to try to find worth and value in what everybody else thinks of them or even what they think of themselves. And they try to find value and worth in in anything they can accomplish and what they do. And that's so short-sighted in the light of eternity and in the light of the God who made us. And so uh, even worse, if, if they go on without Christ, then they're going to spend eternity without God and forever, you know, in hell and not in heaven. And so these are things that we don't want to work against as parents, but we want to work for with the lives of our children. I love how Pastor Joe said this last week. He said, Jesus is enough to save our kids, and the Holy Spirit is enough to make them more like Jesus. So that's why our primary goal is to try to reflect Christ to our kids, to reflect his character. Well, the words that we just saw on the screen are characteristics of God. It's the characteristics of Christ. It's the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. They're called the fruit of the Spirit, right? This is called the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to look at in a minute. And so we might look at that list and go, that's an impossibility. It's not possible to achieve this, And and, and really, that's not the case. It's very possible to see these attributes coming from our life because if you're a Christian and you've turned and you've trusted in Christ as your Savior... You've believed in his death on the resurrection for the forgiveness of uh, your sins and for eternity in heaven. If you have done that, then the Holy Spirit of God is living in you. And if the Holy Spirit of God is living in you, and these characteristics are of the Holy Spirit, then he's going to work them out in you. It's very possible in Christ. It's already there. We just need to see it develop in our life. And so this characteristics of God, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what we long to see come out of our life. And every mom and dad can parent with the fruit of the Spirit by walking with the Spirit. And so in essence, the result is uh, a Spirit-led parent will have a fruit-filled home. Can you say that with me? A Spirit-led parent will have a fruit-filled home. That's the longing of our heart as we hope for our kids to come to know and love Jesus. So let's look in our Bibles at this passage. Let's see it with our own eyes. So turn with me, please, in your Bibles or fire up your Bible apps to Galatians chapter 5. We're looking at verses 22 through 23. We're not looking at a lot of verses, but we're looking to get a lot out of the verses that we look at, okay? And so we're looking at Galatians 5, 22 through 23, I don't want you just to see these words on a screen or hear them from my mouth, but to see them with your own eyes in your own Bible. It says there, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and say these words with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and then against such things, there is no law. So let's unpack this a little bit and apply it to parenting. Now, when you zoom out of Galatians, what you see is you look at the book as a bigger whole, you see God using this man, Apostle Paul, to really give a contrast a contrast between uh, living by the flesh and by the law only and religious rules and performance based on human effort versus living in the spirit and a life lived rooted in the gospel of Jesus with an understanding of God's grace and uh, knowing and identifying with Christ as our you know, as our core identity, you see that. And you also see this tug of war between the the flesh and the spirit that we experience every day. In fact, if you were to go back and look at verses 16 and 17 of of chapter 5, it says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So moment by moment, we're in this tug of war between the flesh and the spirit. And when we're in the flesh, we tend to parent with a, a heavy emphasis on law and rules. Nothing wrong with those, but that's too heavy. And, and, and we leave out some of the grace and the spirit that we need and what God has for us. And we all know what parenting on the flesh and parenting by the law only feels like. It's, it's uh, when a loving and patient parent turns into the frustrated and the angry ogre, right? And we use threats to get desired behavior. So in the flesh, we're selfish, we're passive, we're impatient, we're irritated, we're harsh, we're unreasonable, we're unrealistic. Like, you think about the things that come out of parents' mouth. Think about your parents. Think about you as a parent. Thinking like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ground you for the rest of your life. Really? Like, that? that's a tall order, you know? We, you know that's the flesh coming out. So law and rules are good, and they can help... Uh, cage the flesh, but it doesn't change the hearts. Only God changes the heart and he uses his grace. He uses the gospel. He uses his word and his spirit to do so. So with the ugliness of our flesh as a backdrop, God shows us the good news of what's available to us through his spirit when he shows us the fruit of the spirit. And I think even the distinction between what we see here in Galatians is the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Even those words works and fruit have great contrast. Think about works for a minute. Works, the result of human effort. Works gives us imagery of, of laboring and of straining. The flesh will manufacture sinful actions and attitudes. We try to work our way to God. We try to work our way to better behavior. That, that's works. That's works. And God's not working through works. He's working through the fruit of his spirit. And so when you think of fruit, you think of something organic. You think of something that's cultivated and developed over time. And so the spirit grows these qualities in us over time. A machine or a factory can't produce fruit. Fruit has to come from life. And life comes from God. So God grows fruit in us. He doesn't manufacture works And so even that contrast, and understanding that is very important because it points to God's transforming power rather than human effort. Also, when you think about fruit, fruit is grown for the benefit of others, right? Like you never walk by a fruit bowl and overhear the banana talking to itself like, I am so glad I'm a banana. I'm so full of potassium and I'm I'm, I'm really good, right? Like a, a fruit is designed to benefit other people who partake of the fruit. And so when we think of the fruit of the Spirit, we definitely feel the effect of it, we definitely experience it, but really it's for the benefit of others. It's for the benefit of God to glorify Him, and when people see the fruit of the Spirit coming from us, they go, what is that? And you go, that's God's work in my life. That's God producing something in my life. And then uh, our kids, in this context that we're talking about, would partake or experience the fruit Our spouses, any relationship close to us will experience the fruit coming from us because God put it in us for them to benefit from. And so this is a word that keeps on giving uh, more definition and meaning. Also, another helpful clarifier is the word fruit here is singular in the original language. It's the fruit of the spirit, not the fruits of the spirit. And so we see nine qualities, not nine separate fruits that God wants us to collect like some spiritual game of Mario Brothers, you know? This this is one thing given to us. And so it's a unified, integrated, collective fruit. One fruit of the Spirit expressed in nine spiritual qualities. So really the literal understanding of this translation is more like the single fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these characteristics are one group that go together as a unit. And so when a parent is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, this is the fruit that will come from them. That's why we can confidently say a Spirit-led parent will have a fruit-filled home. And when we display the fruit of the Spirit, we look more like Christ. And if we look more like Christ then we're going to be fulfilling our role and goal of trying to influence our kids toward Christ and reflecting Christ to them with the hope that they'll know and love Jesus. And what I think is so cool about this is if you're in Christ, this is yours. Like this is something you have to go try to find or get little pieces up here and there. Once you come to Christ and the Holy Spirit of God comes to live and dwell in you, the fruit of the Spirit is right there now. Like, activated in you. And so God's not asking us to go get something. He's already given it to us. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Okay, I'm looking at the words on that fruit there, and there are some missing in my life. So if God has given me that, then how come I don't see some of these in my life? And how come some of my kids or my family members don't see this in my life? Everyone say process. Process. The fruit of uh, the Spirit is a process. Remember, you got to think organic So think about a seed that is planted, and then grows, it sprouts, and then it gets bigger, it gets more mature, it starts to bud, it starts to bear fruit. You have to think about that. So there are some areas in your life that God has really, and probably because you've cooperated a little bit more with him, quite honestly, that God's really developed in your life more fully, but there's still some that are kind of like a little seed, maybe in the soil, or maybe it's a little sprout that just hasn't grown much. So it's there it just hasn't developed because there's still a process of refining going on in your life. And so we continue to pursue this in our life uh, as a parent because we know that the Spirit-led parent will have a fruit-filled home. And I just want to talk to you as a kid for a little bit. If you're here, teenager, children, you're going, okay, this is great. This application isn't just for your parents. Uh, this is very much for you as well. Think about the power of a family that's filled with the Spirit. And a family that is all distributing the fruit of the Spirit. Because if you have Christ as a young person, then the fruit of the Spirit is in you too. And so not only can you have a mom and a dad who who God's given these qualities that are gonna come out when they're walking in the Spirit, but you're gonna have those as well. Think about the power of a home where everybody knows Christ and everybody is walking in the Spirit, and that fruit of the Spirit is just flowing through the home. What a beautiful picture. Some of you might be in the same shoes that I was in as a teenager. As a teenager, I was the only Christian in my home. And so I was the only one that really had the Holy Spirit and the fruit was trying to, you know, come out in my life. You might be a teenager and you're the only Christian in your home. Maybe, you know, that's, that's the case. You still have fruit in your home. He's using it in you. And so you have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to use the fruit of the Spirit through your life to influence your siblings and your parents. Or if you're a spouse and your spouse isn't a believer, there's still fruit in your home because the Holy Spirit's in you, and you're in your home. And a Spirit-led parent will have a fruit-filled home. A Spirit-led kid can have a fruit-filled home. And so this is good news. This is what God's given us, and we can rejoice over this. Now, I want to take a closer look at what God has given us with the fruit of the Spirit. I want to do a little bit of a fruit inspection, if you will, because we can look at these words at face value and understand most of them, but not all of them completely. So let's look at the fruit of the Spirit and these attributes more closely and do a little fruit inspection by asking ourselves some assessment questions. A question that says, how how do I see this part of the fruit of the Spirit growing in my life? Now, these questions will be on the blog, because some of you are going to try to furiously write them down, and have fun with that. You can do it if you can, take pictures. Um, but they'll be on the CVC blog uh, shortly as well. But also, I don't want you to think a grade, and I don't want you to think uh, 1 to 10 type stuff. I don't want you to look at a word, like if we put patience up there, I don't want you to be like, oh, that's an F, you know? if, if we put self-control up there, you know, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a 2, I don't want you to think that way right now. I want you to think more organically. Is this a seed that's in the soil? It just hasn't sprung up yet. Uh, do I see a sprout of this in my life? Uh, do I see a full, Think of grapes. Think of, is this a full vine with a bud? Or do I see grapes, you know, coming in this area of my life? So think more organically and fruit-oriented as you look through this. Okay, let's look at love, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love, this is the word agape in the original language. This is not merely affectionate feelings. This is a self-denying, self-sacrificing act of the will to freely give of oneself to another, This is the kind of love that we have identified that God has given us. So this is not just the warm fuzzies. You know, when one teenager tells another teenager, oh, I love you, they don't mean this kind of love. There's no self-sacrifice. They're looking for something in return, all right? And so this is not agape. Agape is a self-sacrificing, self-denying kind of love that's poured out on someone else. So a question we can ask as we kind of do our own personal fruit inspection is this. Am I growing in my love for others without being motivated by the hope that I will receive something in return? But to just love others freely like Christ loves me freely. How, how would you describe it in your life? Is this, is this a seed? Is there a vine here? Is there a bud? Is there a fruit? You know, how developed is this part of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Joy. Joy is a deep and lasting supernatural delight. It's rooted in the Lord and his purposes, and it's present in both good and bad circumstances. And so a question we can ask ourselves is, am I experiencing a regular joy in my life that is dependent on God rather than things going my way? See, happiness can be circumstantial. I had a good thing happen to me today. I'm good. I'm happy. Oh, I had a bad thing happen to me today. I'm not happy. But joy is lasting. It's deeper. It's not based on circumstances. It's rooted in who God is, who we are in God as his child. And the purposes and plans and the promises and the hope that we have in the Lord. So the the joy might, you know, get shifted around and jostled around a little bit, but it's anchored to who Christ is. How about peace? In the original language, this is the word irene. It's from the Hebrew word Shalom. Some of you are familiar with that. It's an inward calmness and well-being, even in the midst of difficulties, knowing that God is in control and I can rest in Him. How many of you have had stuff happen in your life that's just outside of your control? Anybody? Everybody. We have peace when we go, I can't control this. I'm not going to try to control this because if I try to control this, I realize I can't. And all of a sudden there's a peace that comes in. The Holy Spirit brings peace from this fruit in our life. And so the, the, the question is, am I growing in a sense of peace in my life even when I'm experiencing little or massive hardships? Another way to think about this is when you come to Christ and his spirit's growing the fruit of the spirit in your life, you don't get spun out like you used to. And you don't try to control things like you used to. You rest in the Lord. And he'll give you action steps and he'll give you things to do and he'll put stuff on your heart and stuff on your mind, but you don't spin out. This is the peace. Also patience. Now we understand patience as being one who can wait The the meaning of patience is a little deeper than that. The original word in the Greek is makrothumia. It comes from two roots, meaning makros and thumos. Makros, long, thumos, temper. It means it takes a long time for your temper to come online. So being patient isn't like, oh, I'm just in line, I need to wait. Being patient is I'm being provoked right now, I'm being pushed right now, but my anger is not coming online. This is where we need to be very, 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 very grateful for who God is. Because we've got a holy, righteous, amazing God. And when we defy him and rebel against him and ignore him every single day, he is a God who's loving, but he's also a God who's just. God has a wrath to him that none of us have ever experienced at this point. And so we daily defy God, week after week, month after month, year after year. Guess what God is? God is long-suffering with us along now, there is a moment in time when he says, "Now, after all these centuries, I'm going to pour my wrath on all mankind." Man, if you're in Christ, we can say. Whew. If you're not in Christ, you'd be like, oh, "I better get really, I better get right with Jesus," you know. But this is this is God's nature, and so we emulate that when we are patient, and so we're, we put up with people, we hold back our temper even when provoked. The question is, am I experiencing a greater ability to tolerate life's irritations? and inconveniences without lashing out. That's truly the deeper meaning of being patient. And it's ours in Christ. We're not, we're not slaves to impatience. In Christ, we've been freed from that. We've been liberated from that. Kindness, a compassionate and considerate attitude toward others and wanting to help them and meet their needs. A good question to inspect that fruit in our life is, am I noticing the needs of others and drawn to compassionately meet them? When, when, when we don't know Christ, and when we're not led by the Spirit, we're very selfish, we live right here. We want what we want, when we want, and how we want it. But as you come to Christ and as you're led through the Spirit, God takes off those blinders and you start to see other people around you and you start to see their needs and you start to see their hurts and kindness grows up in you and you just want to go help people. And there's kindness that comes. There's goodness Goodness is a character of holiness that God is working into your life. He's leading to a greater love for what is good and right. And so a question to assess our life is, am I experiencing growth and doing what is good for me and for others for the glory of God? And so before Christ, you know, we probably know we're not that good. Or we've deceived ourselves to think that we are good. But once we stand in the presence of Christ, we realize none of us are good. And any good in us is from God. And it's for his glory. And so the Christmas song, you know, just be good for goodness sake. We're not good for goodness sake. We're good for the glory of God. So when people see good in our life, they say, you're a good person. Man, that was really good how you did that. You can just say, what you just experienced was the fingerprint of God because I'm not good. And any good that comes from me is because of my God. And so this goodness flows and grows out of us. Faithfulness, one who's reliable and trustworthy and has integrity and so a question would be, am I experiencing growth and integrity as others around me are experiencing a greater trust in my words and actions? Mom and Dad, can your kids trust what you say? If you say it will happen, it will happen. And if you say it won't happen, it won't happen. That's why my kids hate the word maybe. <laughs> yeah, can we do this? Maybe. <laughs> you know, it may happen, it may not. But we can't say yes and then be like, No. Or if a situation comes into life that we have to flex, we can, that's a teachable moment. But just are we people that are faithful in who God's making us become? Gentleness. I know this is the one that right now in my life, obviously, as I assess the fruit of the Spirit, of my own life needs to continue to grow. Controlled strength. Meekness, but not weakness. Strength wrapped in tenderness. The question is, am I increasing in gentleness and tenderness in my words and actions as I interact with others? I know that when I am in the flesh... And when I lean toward law, my, my words become harsh, not tender. My posture becomes intimidating rather than gentle. And so this is what happens. In all, all of us know what it looks like in our life when we're not hitting on all cylinders here. We know that. And the ones around us know it. But God has given us these things to grow, and he'll, he'll keep growing them in our life if we cooperate with his cultivation. And then self-control, keeping selfish and sinful desires and urges under control. Honestly, our sin nature, we can't do that on our own. This is only something the Lord can work on our life. And so a good question is, am I experiencing less control by my sinful desires and more control of the Holy Spirit in my life? And as we look this over, there should be both cause for celebration. Thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. And then also conviction. Lord, this is still an area that I haven't surrendered to you. I haven't, uh, you know, yielded to you to work in my life. And so hopefully God is speaking to you as you're looking over this list. Now, we just went through the fruit of the Spirit, but I want to come back to the last part of verse 23. Because at the end of verse 23, it says, against such things, against all that we just read, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, all that. Against such things, there's no law. This is one of those parts of a verse where sometimes you read and you don't understand, so you just skip over it, right? Like, what does that mean? Let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, What it means is this. There's no law needed to rule a person who's being ruled by God. Like, sure, the law exists, the law's in place, but no law is needed to govern people who are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, think about it. if people are loving and they're joyful and they're peaceful and they're patient people and they're kind and good and faithful and gentle people and they're people of self-control, what law needs to be enforced in their life? And there would be no law to forbid these virtues. Hey, stop being patient. We're gonna have to fine you for that, you know? Like, no. Hey, stop that loving. You know, there's no law against these virtues. And so the fruit of the spirit is not opposed to God's law like the works of the flesh is. The works of the flesh is opposed to God's law. The fruit of the spirit is not opposing God's law, it fulfills God's law. And so the law is not needed there. And so as a Christ follower, we have this inner law of Christ's love to reign over us rather than needing an outer law of rules. You guys follow? So there's no law against these qualities. And so as a parent, we truly want them to come from our life. And if that does, then we will find very true that a spirit-led parent will have a fruit-filled home. Now, a book that we've recommended, highly, 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 to partner with the series or to continue after the series, if this is kind of wet, wetting your appetite, is a book called Parenting by Paul David Tripp. He, he takes this concept of parenting in the flesh versus the spirit, law versus grace, and really unpacks it well. I like what he says in relation to what our topic is today. He says, the kind of parenting that I've described in this chapter in his book takes patience, humility, self-control, submission, gentleness, love, faithfulness, and joy. Let's be honest here, none of these character qualities are natural for us. It would be right for all of us to say, if that's what's required to be a good parent, then I'll never be one. (laughs) But the good news is that we have not been left to our own strength and resources. These character qualities all come from Galatians 5, 23. They are what's popularly known as the fruit of the Spirit. If you view these character qualities as moral goals that you have been tasked to achieve, they will seem unattainable and discouraging to you. These character qualities are not a moral standard that God lays before you and waits for you to achieve. No, they are moral gifts of a God of glorious grace. What does this mean? It means that God knew that apart from his intervening work on our behalf, we wouldn't have a prayer of these character qualities ruling our hearts. See, I love this. I love the understanding that the fruit of the Spirit is a gift from God, not a list of things we have to achieve. And that without him intervening, we would automatically parent in the flesh and automatically parent heavy with the law. This is a distinct Christian understanding of what we're talking about. Because what we're not talking about is trying to find something outside of our kids, something outside of our parenting that we can grab a hold of to change behavior. That's typically what happens in our parenting. That's kind of what we default to. We're not talking about something out there to get. We're talking about someone inside that grows in us. That's what God's given us. Who wouldn't want that? Who doesn't need that? I need that. We all need Jesus and his spirit inside of us changing our heart, not just some technique or tip out there to modify behavior. Parenting strategies, parenting techniques, they're good. They're just not sufficient. We need Christ inside of us. We need the Holy Spirit in us to change our hearts and the hearts of our kids. That's why Jesus is necessary for the fruit of the spirit to even be possible. Tripp continues. He says, Jesus died so that unloving people would become loving. Complainers would become joyful. Fighters would become peacemakers. Impatient people would grow to be willing to wait. And unkind people would become those known for their kindness. Between the already of your conversion and the not yet of your homegoing, this is what God is working on in your heart and life. He works through all the mundane situations, locations, and relationships of your life to progressively transform you by His grace. See, the fruit of the Spirit is impossible without the transforming power of Christ in our lives. And so if you want the fruit, you've got to have the Spirit. you want the Spirit, you've got to have Christ. And so the first step would be if you don't have Christ in your life. And it doesn't matter what age or stage you're in. You know if you don't have Christ. You know, if someone asked you if you were to die, would you go to heaven? You're like, I don't know. Well, if you were to stand before God and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? You say, I don't know. All your identity and worth is wrapped up in in what other people say and what you try to achieve instead of who you are in Christ. And you don't see this fruit of the Spirit. Like, sure, you can be good to a point. You can be kind to a point. But you'll never tap into the supernatural potential of what God has for us through His Spirit. And so if you're sitting here today, you're watching online, and, and it's very evident you need Christ, your first step is to come to Christ. You just need to surrender. You just need to say, I'm a broken, lost, sinful person. I can't fix myself. I can't fix my kids. I can't fix my relationship with God. God's provided a way through the death of Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection. You just say, I trust in what way you've provided. I trust in Jesus. And so you turn from yourself, you turn from him. You can do that today. You don't have to leave here with that unresolved in your life. You can turn to Christ today. And you simply say everything that we've been saying. Lord, I'm broken, I'm lost, I need you. I turn to Christ. And if you do that today, uh, we have a response card in your program. And in that response card, there's a spot that says, I'm placing my faith in Jesus Christ as my savior today. Later at the end of the service, uh, we're gonna be passing baskets to receive our offerings and our gifts. What a great symbol for you to put an X on that and say, I'm putting this in this basket as a symbolic gesture that I've just offered my life to Christ. I've given my life to Christ. And so that's one step that a lot of us might need to take today. But here's a remaining question for us: if the spirit-led parent will have a fruit-filled home, then how do I grow in being led by the Spirit? It's like that's great, but how do I do that? Here's the trick. In order to walk by the Spirit, we've got to sit with Christ. In order to walk with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, we've got to sit with Christ. This is the principle of abiding. Look at what Jesus says in John 15, 4 and 5. <clears throat> he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much, what? Fruit but apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. We have to abide. Abide in the original Greek is the word meno. It means to remain, to continuously be present. We could say, hang out, linger, stay connected with, sit with. And so fruit comes from branches that are abiding in the vine. You can't cut a branch off of a vine and set it over there and wait for it to bear fruit. It won't do that. But that's exactly what some of us are trying to do. We're not spending time with Christ. We're not in the Word of God. We're not studying the Bible. We're not in Scripture. We're not praying. We're not talking and listening to Christ. But then we severed ourselves, and we're over here, and we expect somehow fruit's just going to come. How, how foolish is that? How, how futile is that? And so we need to make sure that we're abiding with Christ. So if you're connecting the dots, and this is what you're seeing, if I sit with Christ, then I will walk by the Spirit. And if I walk by the Spirit, I'm going to be led by the Spirit. And if I'm led by the Spirit, then I'm going to grow the fruit of the Spirit. And if I grow the fruit of the Spirit, then that's what's going to be coming out in my home and in my relationships. And so it traces all the way back to the desperate need to make sure that we're sitting with Christ. And so one application would be if you don't have Christ, you need to be in relationship with Christ. The other application is as believers, we need to fiercely guard our time with Christ. It's the first thing that goes when we're busy. Can you you agree with me? Am I the only one that does that? No. We all do it. I do it, you do it. When we get busy, we get distracted, we jettison the very thing we need most. And when I don't spend time with Christ, my wife knows it, my kids know it, I know it, everybody around me knows it. And so we have to fiercely guard our time. If you're a parent and you're sitting here or a future parent and you're sitting here, this fruit of the Spirit is going to be nourished. And the sustenance will, the, the feed that comes when we sit with the Lord. And when we stop sinning with the Lord, our flesh is all too eager to parent for us instead of the Spirit. And so we need to guard that. Well, here's how I want to close. I want to close the way we started. I want you to look at the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to look at those attributes. I want you to find one that you've identified that God has grown in you recently. <coughs> Can you look at this and find one that like, man, I I am definitely more gentle or faithful or, man, there's more kindness coming from my life because of Christ. I want you to find one that God's, you know, grown in you. I also want you to look at the other side. Which one still needs to develop more? Which one maybe is a little underdeveloped? That you would love to see God grow up in you more, grow that virtue, grow that attribute in you more through his spirit. I want you to hold on to those because we're going to pray about those in a minute. I also have a challenge for you if you dare. At the bottom of your uh, note sheet uh, is the fruit of the Spirit. All, all nine words that we've been talking about. Today, or tomorrow, at the latest, would you sit down with your spouse, if you don't have kids, or even if you do have kids, sit down with your kids, um, and, and would you ask them which ones that they see in your life? Would you circle the ones you see really strong in my life that you think describe me a bit? And would you put a star next to the one you think I need to grow in? Now, obviously, if your kids, like, can't even crawl, you need to put this on the fridge until they're further down the 216 months, you know? But it could be a good reminder as you watch them trying to crawl, and that's in front of you. And so take that challenge and let this be a catalyst to conversations about needing Christ. Christ about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and home and family, about the fruit of the Spirit. But we're gonna pray about this together. Would you just stand with me? And we're just gonna spend a couple minutes closing our time in prayer and worship based on what we just talked about. Let's pray. Father, you are an incredible dad. You are a good God. You're a good father. We are so grateful that we are who you tell us we are. You tell us we're your children. When we come to Christ, you tell us that you love us. You tell us that you discipline us. So, God, we're so grateful that you're the perfect Dad. And these, these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit these are your characteristics. This is a glimpse at your character, God. No one loves, no one agapes like you do. No one has the joy or the patience or the kindness or the goodness that you do. It's perfect. So, God, we're so grateful that we have you to look to. We're so grateful we have you to draw from. And, Lord, we confess that as we look over the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, there's conviction in our life. Lord, we celebrate what you've done in our life, but there's conviction about what needs to grow. And so right now, would you just take a minute, and would you just thank God for the parts of the fruit of the Spirit that you have seen grow in your life? Would you just thank God right now? Lord, we love you. We're so glad that we're not who the world tries to convince us to be. We're so glad that we're not what the lies in our head try to convince us to be. We're so glad that we are who you tell us we are in Christ. And Lord, we pray that we as individuals, as family units, and as a church family will grow in the fruit of the Spirit. That we would be a home that is fruit of the Spirit here. So help us to be people of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, not for our glory, but for yours, for your purposes. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen. Let's worship.